Everyone needs to zone out every once in a while. You zone out and you just kind of want to have something that's in the background just to cover up the noise of whatever leaf blowing operation your neighbor has going on at the time. Just something so that you aren't concentrating on that, but you're able to do things around the house. Uh, a lot of people put on reality TV shows, a lot of people put on old sitcoms. My relaxation shows of choice are, are the true ghost stories. But uh, I've, I've noticed lately that there's a bit of a problem with those. And that my, my shows have been taken over by people who are convinced they are being stalked by evil spirits. And they blame those evil spirits for everything. Every lost job, every broken friendship, every single bad mood they have, every health issue, mental or physical, everything was caused by the haunting in their home. This is Bittersweet Ramblings, and no, Loretta, evil spirits did not cause your halitosis. You need to start flossing. I love ghost stories. I spent probably too much time when I was growing up watching Scooby-Doo reruns. Uh, I, I had the Time Life books, you know, Mysteries of the Unexplained, and I, and I read it until the binding wore out on it. And I watched all of the Unsolved Mysteries ghost stories, no matter how annoyed Robert Stack sounded when he was narrating them. They had some really great stories about the histories of cities, and buildings, and they would be a little bit more personal histories. In, in history classes in high school or college, you hear about big things with people who, you know, did all sorts of big changes and it affected the country. But you don't hear those sort of little histories, those histories for people who weren't born into power or you know, didn't find their way into, you know, making like a worldwide change. You get to hear those personal histories about something that you live in now or a place where you live now. Then as a bonus, you, you get a little touch of the unexplained sort of attached to it as well. Now, a lot of these stories used to be, yes, they would have some, you know, negative things that had happened sometimes, but they a lot of times would also have something that had sort of course corrected someone down a new path. Some were good, some were not good, but there was a balance there. But lately, my, my beloved ghost stories, they've been taken over by, you know, the ghosts are all out to get you groups. They're all evil, they've all, you know, destroyed lives and all that. Instead of hearing about, oh, I think I saw grandma leaning, you know, over the kids. You know, now people, they aren't just seeing ghosts. They're seeing, you know, shadow people and it's demons and, and it's all about evil trying to attack them and destroy their lives or kill them and their families, of course. Now, don't get me wrong. I still watch the shows, but it, there's not the history tied to them now. People who are convinced that life has done them wrong and they're convinced that this is the reason that it happened. There used to be shows like, uh, my favorite was Ghostly Encounters. It was this great show about people who had some experiences that they couldn't explain. Some were, were scary, some were really, really lovely, and some were mundane. 
Now, in, in place of ghostly encounters, you have, you know, paranormal survivor. <laughs> Which I think is pretty self-explanatory. Someone survived the paranormal, I guess. There used to be shows like Haunted History, which would give a history of a story along with these tales to go with it. Now, you know, you have The Dead Files, where there's a ghost who wants to kill someone around every single corner. There is not one of those episodes where, you know, the ghost is trying to kill me. It's trying to kill me. And, you know, you had shows like The Haunted, which was, uh, it was actually originally on Animal Planet, and it was about hauntings involving pets. It was great, and also you get to see the insides of some people's houses that were really trashed, and then some houses that were really well maintained. And from there you go to Haunted on Netflix, which I couldn't even get through because it was just sad and depressing and... You didn't walk away with a little bit of wonder at the unknown. You walked away, you know, feeling a little down. Now, I think this change, I saw it really starting with uh, this show, A Haunting, from the Discovery Channel days. The first season or two, it was, hey, that's weird. I think it's a ghost. And then they would kind of maybe look into the history of the place and see if any previous homeowners had noticed anything. It slowly started to evolve to demons, demons everywhere and having to have exorcisms on pretty much every episode. Like previously, if you heard tapping on the window, you know, you wonder kind of what it was. Now, if you hear tapping on the window, it's a demon. If there's a cold spot in the hall, demon. If there's a printer jam, demon. Okay, that last one might be legit. I'm pretty sure most printers are inhabited by something evil. Except for my printer, of course. Which is next to me right now. Just humming and blinking. Not blinking a Morse code message of evil, just, just ready to print. How many times... Are these people so busy looking for demons that when grandma comes around, they start screaming about evil in the house? Grandma comes through the veil. She hasn't talked in a while, so her voice is kind of croaky. And she calls out to her granddaughter. And the granddaughter starts ranting and raving about how she knew there was a black curse hanging over the house that was destroying her life. Grandma tries to power through this, tries to tell her daughter about a bag of gold jewelry hidden in the bedroom wall. And the granddaughter, who never did listen to anything that she didn't want to hear, calls a psychic she has on speed dial. And then the psychic comes and immediately senses evil in the house. Most likely stemming from the granddaughter's insistence on hanging up a bunch of valances, putting a pack of gnomes in the front yard, and hanging up instructions all over the walls. Putting eat in the kitchen. Because you're going to do something else in the kitchen? So it's understandable why the psychic thinks there's true evil in the home. All of these things are signs. The next thing you know, uh, the grandmother sees just a bunch of random people wandering through the place, flinging water and oil all over, burning a bunch of incense, getting ashes everywhere, and praying like they're at a revival. It's running around yelling, leave this house, demon! 
Grandma's sitting there watching them wander around, knocking stuff over while flailing their arms and claiming the devil did it. Just saying to yourself, I don't care if she is my grandkid. I never should have given that idiot my recipe for apple pie. She fucks it up with all of her substitutions to make it her own. I'll just, I'll wait it out and I will tell the next family or person who lives here where the cash stash is. Because the granddaughter is the type of person who would be on one of these demons are out to get me shows. Because she doesn't listen. She's a type who will go to a recipe site, rate a dish 3 out of 5, say it didn't taste good, and then list the 14 ingredients she changed when she made the recipe that she reviewed. They're on every recipe site. The, the self-appointed substitution masters. They're the type who look up a recipe with cranberries in it, then write a review saying they substituted jelly beans and taco sauce for cranberries because they don't like cranberries instead of just looking for a recipe that was cranberry free. There is nothing more useless than seeing a review of whatever Frankensteinian nightmare someone made by trying to put their own spin on a recipe. I want a review of the stupid recipe I was trying to look up, not the horseshit monstrosity Tiny Dog Lover 65 tried to concoct. There should be a website for these recipes gone amok. One for mediocre bullshit recipes modified to the point where nobody with a will to survive will enjoy them. It can be recipes for events where you were forced against your will to bring something homemade. Yeah, here's here's a tuna fish and cheese casserole without the tuna fish or the cheese because Tiff Lerv's cat 83s doesn't like tuna and is lactose intolerance. Choke that down, Barbara. Let's see if you demand I bring something to your bullshit cooking from the heart potluck supper again. I have watched a lot of ghost shows and I have seen a lot of these homeowners and I'm pretty sure that the intersections on a Venn diagram between these show participants and then people who make weird substitutions and recipes is pretty high. For a lot of these shows they will shoot in the haunted house so you can actually see what the house looks like and from the looks of some of these places if I, if these homeowners were in a house that I was stuck haunting I'd want their asses out the door too. Not all of them, but proportionately, you see just how much a lot of them have just destroyed the place. Now don't get me wrong, everyone has a few things they need to clean up for a project or two to finish. Most most homes don't look like the after photos in, a, in like a home renovation magazine spread. But these homeowners knew months in advance that a camera crew was coming to film their house. So when they're filming, these participants, they, they have dressed this house up to the nines. Tons of these places are just crammed to the gills with just stuff in corners, on the floor, just laying all over the place. And more than a few of these houses, like a good proportion of these houses have holes in the walls. Not like a hole in the basement wall where no one goes, but holes in living room walls or holes in dining room walls. There's piles of dishes in the sinks and some of them just look unkempt. You know a camera crew is coming, just run a Swiffer through the place, screw a picture of grandma over the hole in the wall so they can't take it down. 
then you have the adults with dolls. Fucking why? Why dolls? You are grown up. You don't need dolls. And and now little Sally knows all your hopes and dreams and nightmares and has been plotting against you ever since you decided to give her bangs with safety scissors. Now she's just sitting there waiting, staring at you. Some night you're going to hear skittering across the floor and you don't want to know what happens next. There are people who don't just have like a doll, they have doll rooms. If you have a room full of dolls or or a home filled with dolls, you invited this shit in. You corrupted the structure of your own home. You took what was good and decent in the home and you made it into an unholy desecration. Of course it's fucking haunted now. You've got fucking dolls everywhere. And speaking of rooms or houses that have dolls, down in Mexico, there was someone who made not just a room or a home of dolls, they turned an entire island into a land of nightmares. Have you ever heard of, and I'm gonna pronounce this wrong, La Isla de las Muertas, the island of the dolls? If you don't need to sleep for like the next eternity, go ahead and look up some of the pictures. You know what I'd like to see if I'm going down a river in Mexico? A deserted island with broken and disintegrating parts of dolls just hanging from every tree and every structure. Just left to the elements. And a lot of the dolls were hung by the neck, as someone who is rational would do. As a welcoming feature to your island to hang up a bunch of dolls by a neck from a tree. That's, you know, some people put out welcome mats. Some people hang dolls by the neck from trees. You can kind of just pick and choose who you want to hang out with. I would skip the videos of the island though. It seems like the Travel Channel has like a regular flight to the island and broken, filthy doll parts hanging from trees on a deserted island just isn't scary enough for them. They have to amp it up by playing cheap horror show Muzak and filming in the dark because they want it to look like a sci-fi horror movie. None of this is necessary. Just show the damn island in the middle of the day with the breeze moving the doll parts in silence. That's all you have to do. Mission to traumatize millions of people is accomplished with that. Instead of the cheap horror muzak and the cheap special effects on the ghost shows, maybe they could put a little bit more time into writing and research. I, I miss the shows where they would get someone who could actually tell a story well. On a lot of these shows, the first season or two, you're going to have the people who genuinely seem to want help. After that point, the producers just start looking for warm bodies, and that's, that's when you start to get the real charmers. Most of them usually, you know, explain that they were a skeptic until this happened. You're on a ghost show. You really, you weren't much of a skeptic to, to begin with. Or they'll spend time explaining how they're totally psychic. Because they all think they're paranormal. And then when, when they hire a medium and the hired medium comes in and tells them they aren't psychic, they always get like super pissed. You, you see the, the pinched mouth and the glare. It's, it's, it's one of the highlights of the shows for me. But 
Most often, they explain how they're being tortured, how no one understands, and how everyone has abandoned them. I.e., I was an asshole to everybody, and they just up and left, and I don't know why. By the way, when they're telling how they were tortured, most of them pretend to cry. They try to look sad, and they'll even, like, sniffle a bit, but they can't fake any tears, and their eyes aren't red, so you can tell they're faking it, because... If they were genuinely upset, you'd, you'd see some tears. And then the shows roll out the experts. Paranormal Survivor is the worst with the experts. The homeowner will say, I heard a door close. And, and the expert will rattle off some just batshit crazy theory like it's a proven fact. The door was closed by energy from a being from another dimension. And, and they do it and they look bored while doing it. Because apparently all doors are level and all houses are completely insulated from the wind. My parents had a door to a spare room that would just rattle like mad. Like it would really shake. <laughs> and it did that until they fixed the insulation. Uh, because apparently when my great great whatever grandfather built the house, insulation wasn't a thing. The rattling of that door made these ghost shows look like tame by comparison. My nephew was convinced the place was haunted for years. So most of these experts spend time focusing on what the homeowners did wrong, especially if they were ghost hunting or working on fixing up the house, uh, which apparently lets the evil out of the walls or something. Or they made the mistake of hanging up a mirror or a picture or visiting a cemetery, which apparently is also going to bring about the eve of darkness. I don't understand where some of the weird theories originated from. Where where all of the experts are getting their information from. Like, coming up with the idea that evil spirits and demons and whatnot can control you mentally or change your personality. No explanation of how or why. They just take over your personality somehow because free will doesn't exist. People, you know, their personalities aren't going to be affected or the way that they're acting isn't going to be affected by, you know, the stress from a big move or anything. Then there's the whole scratch thing. I never really bought the scratch thing. <laughs> Places are haunted by evil if someone is scratched and they see three scratches. But it's way too easy to scratch yourself and forget about it until later. Or if you're like me, you scratch your arm and then the marks start, you know, they take about a minute or so to show up. And it's in threes because uh, your pinky and your thumb are short. And then, and then they'll say that the smell of something rotting is a clear sign of evil in the house. Now, when I was growing up, there was this horrible, putrid smell coming from my brother's room. It was worse than normal. And it turns out he brought home a potato he was trying to grow into a plant and then he let it drop behind the dresser. And it didn't become a plant, but it did grow a whole lot of mold behind his dresser and just, you know, start disintegrating into mush. If you smell something nasty in your house, maybe you should try to locate where it's coming from before it starts to turn into mold or the bugs find it. The demon experts are the ones who really come up with some off-the-wall shit. Pretty much 
every sentence is a self-satisfied you shouldn't mess with the paranormal i have it's my super special sandbox and i have studied it for for years and some of the stuff they come up with is just i like one of the things is having two mirrors face each other and a putting a candle between the two mirrors creates a very powerful vortex which makes me wonder how many times someone created a vortex at the Hall of Mirrors in Versailles or crossed to a new dimension on the set of Phantom of the Opera or created a portal in half of the houses built in the 60s where mirrored walls were a thing. And it could explain why so many socks disappeared. It was a mirror vortex. There's just a dimension of socks. And then, then there's burning sage to clear a house of spirits. They keep repeating that Native American tribes have used it in ancient ceremonies for years or decades. Which tribes? It, it's the, the tribes are not the same. Different tribes have completely different customs. I think there are one or two tribes who use sage, but a lot of the Native American tribes, especially in the plains, use tobacco, if I remember right. So are smokers' houses more clean of spirits? I am, I am all for doing what you need to do to make yourself comfortable in your place. Luckily, based on what these experts have said, you should be able to defend yourself from spirits just hang up something that repels them. With the understanding, of course, that for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. If you decorate your wall with, you know, about 50 crosses, you're gonna get rid of any ghost who skips Sunday school, but you're gonna bring in the ghost of the judgmental church ladies who loudly whisper nasty gossip about you the second you leave the room. You can hang up a peace sign and you're going to get rid of any sort of 80s yuppies but your place is going to start smelling like patchouli and weed and you're going to feel like you got slapped in the face with beads every time you walk through a doorway or you could paint your rooms neon yellow and you'll get rid of pretty much everything but then you're living with neon yellow walls on some of these shows, the steps given to the homeowners to make their places, you know, unhaunted are crazily detailed and just excessively complicated. <laughs> and some of the shows, they amp it up like every time. So it, they get more just needlessly complicated. I guess the more complicated it sounds, the less likely someone is to copy it. And then, you know, it's more likely that the people who have been given those instructions will believe that it worked because otherwise they've spent all that time and money on nothing. For most of them, if they really want to unhaunt their place, they can clean. Not with sage, just soap and water. Just clean the damn place. And stop painting the walls like a sugar-amped five-year-old with crayons. Now there is one show uh, that they used to have on called uh, The Haunted Collector. The Haunted Collector was a little different because he was convinced that, you know, it wasn't the house that was haunted, it was an object in the house. And so he would clear the, the place of spooks by looking for haunted items. So the show, it was amazing. 
somehow, it's a mystery as to how, but somehow it always seemed to be the most interesting, the most antique, or the most expensive portable item in the place that was haunted. It, it wasn't ever a couch or a piano or a kitchen table. It was never a haunted Lego or a haunted twist tie. It was something that would nicely fit into a museum case. It was always a haunted piece of gold jewelry or a haunted antique wash or a haunted original novel from the 1800s or a haunted doll. The dolls probably were haunted. Just take them all away, burn them. On the episodes, they would pan the camera through the room. I could pick out which item would be declared to be haunted the second they were panning through. It was a game of what's portable and what's expensive. I'm pretty sure the collector must have been a junk dealer or antique dealer at some point in his life. He would pick out three items, ask how they got them so that he wouldn't take like grandpa's ashes or like the one remaining heirloom from their mother. Otherwise, everything was up for grabs. And at the end of the episode, when they had clearly proven that the item was haunted, he would look at them and, and he would hold their hands or hold the object and he would gravely ask them if, if they wanted him to take it. They were always like, yes, please take this one expensive ornament I have from my house with you to unhaunt me. And then he would take it to his house and put it into his personal haunted museum with all of the other expensive haunted items that he kept in a curio cabinet in his home. But apparently his house wasn't haunted? That is it for this episode. You might have heard a train in the background because I decided to record not at night. That went well. Also, you might have heard my cat in the background. So it's, it's not a spectral cat. It's my cat who ignores me all the time until the second I get on the microphone. Thank you for listening and have a good night.